When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Uh, here's a fun thing that happened. So yesterday, you'll remember I was watching the soccer game from here while I was doing the podcast. And you remember, things were going very well. I can't remember if they got the third goal before I was done or not, but they were up 3 nothing at halftime. And then like five minutes into the second half, there was a lightning delay. And that lasted close to an hour, not quite an hour. And they were getting ready to play again. And as soon as they were about to start again, and again, this is CU versus CSU, um, another lightning hit. And so then they had to like stop and restart the clock for all that stuff, you know. And uh, then they were about to play again. And the, uh, the, the CU sideline was very confused because Colorado State's team was not coming out of the bus. So the refs are out there, the, the players are out there for, for Colorado. They're getting ready to go, and it was time to go play the game. And Colorado State just stayed in the bus. And the coach wound up finding like a rule that basically says, if, uh, let's see, a game has to be restarted within three hours of its original start time unless both of the teams agree otherwise. Um, and CSU was not agreeing otherwise, and they were able to wait out. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Basically, they waited out until the ru- rule could come into effect, and then uh, they uh, said, nope, this game didn't last 70 minutes, which is the rule is the game has to go 70 minutes for it to count um, if it does end early said it was 51 minutes and uh so basically Colorado State they uh took their ball and went home and the game doesn't count the game that Colorado was up three nothing in um isn't that crazy like I yeah that's just that's not how sports work that's I don't know like and again like I don't have any like deeply rooted feelings towards CSU you know like I've said before like I obviously went to Montana my dad went to Colorado State so we like kind of pay attention growing up but not really um so I don't have like I'm not like biased or anything but what just a dumb like loser move that is and it's just ugh, it's just gross um but yeah so that happened yesterday you probably saw some people upset on Twitter, as they should be, because that was uh, 
It's just such a lame move. Such a lame move to say we don't want to play the rest of this game because we can get out of it and not have this count as a loss for us. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know who started soccer, but I'd guess that whoever started soccer did not have something like this in mind. Um, okay. Today, though, talking about uh, football, um, here's what's going on. So, like I said, yesterday we were supposed to go up to Boulder, but then there was a change in the practice schedule, and then because of that, for whatever reason, there wasn't like a media availability. Today, after practice, everybody's going straight to, was I think it's like the Boulder Chamber of Commerce luncheon, something like that. Um, and so also no media availability today. Uh, I will be up in Boulder tomorrow, but I say all this to say I don't have any new buffs information. So what I did instead is I spent the morning just going through and kind of making my own too deep. Um, and, you know, it's not like there's a whole lot of surprises in terms of, like, who's going to be out on the field. But I figured at this point in camp, it was probably time to at least take the first stab at what this roster is going to look like, what this team's going to look like, how guys are going to be used, what the rotations will look like. Um, and it might be the only time we do this, just because I don't know that we're going to get a whole lot of new information between now and the start of the season. Um, the week before that first game, by the way, what that'll be, it's crazy. We're two weeks away from game day, which means we should be getting our first depth chart in like 10 days. Um, so maybe this is the only time we'll do it. If something big changes, we'll talk about it. But yeah, so so that's the plan for the day is to kind of run through who's going to be on the field. And, And there's a lot of it that stays the same. There are a couple players that when I really went back through and thought about it, um, we're going to be seeing quite a bit of them. Um, particularly at receiver. I was kind of surprised at how this shook out. Um, but yeah, so, so there's the plan for the day. Uh, before we jump in, though, want to uh, say a couple more words about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, Colorado XOs. They are hosting a rugby tournament, like a really big one. There's like national teams from around the world, from 20 different countries, um, coming to Glendale this weekend and playing in the Rugby Town 7s event there, um, which is what it's called. You can get tickets by going to RugbyTown7s.com. That's like Rugby Town and then 7 and an S.com. Get all the ticket information. They're really affordable. Um, it's a great facility that they have out there. It's the same one the U.S. national team obviously uses. Um, so, yeah, definitely check all that out. Okay. Um Let's start with the offense because the offense is just generally more fun in football. Um, Quarterback, this could have been like a hot take, but because of the way things played out with JT Shrout, we've got Brendan Lewis starting here. Um, Really not much to add beyond that. Obviously, Drew Carter's the backup. Um, I don't think we're going to be seeing any Wildcat looks. I'll say that. Um, not because I've like heard anything, but just when I think about the, the guys on the roster, all that kind of stuff, I feel like it's just going to be kind of Brendan Lewis back there. Um, and again, not, not news breaking or anything like that. Uh, but that's a quarterback position running back again, not much of a surprise here. I think that Jarek is the number one. I think Alex is the number two. I think Ashad is the number three. And I think after that is where you see a little bit of a drop off. Um, I was tempted. I, I tried to talk myself into putting a shot in front of Alex. Um, just couldn't do it. I think that there is a very real chance that by the end of the season, a shot is in front of Alex. Uh, but I think that as we as, as we start this season, it's going to be Jarek getting the majority of the touches. It's going to be Alex getting uh, whatever's next. And then I think it is kind of a question how much they'll use a shot. I think that there, I, I could see it going a couple of different ways. I could see, you know, Ashad, this this being kind of like a three-way even split, maybe leaning a little bit toward Jarek. Um, I could also see this being Jarek getting 65%, Alex getting 30%, and that other 5% going to Ashad, similar to what we saw last year with Jarek and uh, Jaron Mangum, although... Jarek uh, 
won't be putting up 30 carries a game this year. And I think that that just means there might be another five or six that move over to Jaron's role, which is Alex this year. Um, I do think that it starts off, maybe even with people being a little bit disappointed that Ashad isn't getting more touches. But I will say that I expect by the end of the season, Alex and Ashad getting about even touches. And I think there's a real chance that Ashad moves in front. Um, so yeah, that's that's the top three at the running back position. From there, just to throw this out there, you know, we talked about, about Jay, a lot about Jaylee Stacks. I have him as the fullback, and we'll get to the fullback position. I think that when it comes to running backs, Jaylee's not going to see the field as much, you know, in that true running back spot as even like a Deion Smith. Um, but I do think that Jaylee sees the field more just because he does some different things that make it easier to get on the field than by being the number four running back. Um, so I, I have Jarek, Alex, Ashad. Then I, I do think Dion might be ahead of Joe Davis. It's it's really tight between those two, but those two are next up right behind him. Um, like I said, I, I threw a fullback in here just because I think at points we're going to see it. And I actually have that as Jaylee slash Brady. I think for the most part, it's Jay Lee, but uh, the, the way they use Brady or can use Brady, I think he is moving around the formation a little bit. I think he's primarily at tight end, maybe going out in the slot a little bit, but but he will take some snaps from the backfield. Um, and, and I think the question here is like in a true like fullback situation, say it's a third and one, you're just going heavy. What does that look like? I'm not so sure. I think a lot of it comes down to what else you have at tight end. If, if you can throw Alec pa- Pell and Jared Poplowski and some of those guys out there at tight end and say, yeah, these guys are going to win their blocks, then that allows you to move Brady Russell into the backfield um, in those short-distance situations. Um if you say, I don't really like the blocking we get from those guys, then you probably do keep Brady at tight end blocking on the edge because you need him more there because you can throw a Jaylee into the backfield. So I think that that's how it's going to look. But I also think that there might be times we see another player in the backfield, you know, basically a second running back is technically is what it is in the backfield, even if it isn't a short yardage situation. You know, I could see, you know, a, a a pistol look where you have Jarek and you have Brady in the backfield and then you have, you know, Levante and Brendan and Dimitri in the slot. You know, I I don't think that the fullback is super tied just to those short yardage situations. And that's where, you know, thing the the equation changes just a little bit. Um, It isn't about whether you have other tight ends because obviously they're, they're not on the field anyway. Um, and that's where I think that there's maybe even a little bit of a battle between Brady and Jay Lee. Um, I, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that in some ways they might play some similar roles. Now, I don't know. It just it'll 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 be fun to watch. Um, and there's a chance that we just don't see that much of Jay Lee at all. Um, and I think that obviously you want to get Brady on the field as much as you can. So there's some thoughts there. Um, the receivers. So I just did, I just did a one through six ranking of the receivers and didn't worry too much about position. Um, number one, Dimitri Stanley. Also, you know, if, if there's a situation where there's three receivers on the field, he's going to be in the slot. Um, even if there's like two receivers and they're both to one side, Dimitri's going to be in the slot. Um, that said, he is your number one receiver in terms of just being, your best receiver. Uh, so number one, Dimitri. Number two, I went Levante Chenault. Again, it's kind of weird. Um, when I was going through this, I did like use what they call it, the pre-fall reps chart, um, which we just got our hands on media day. So about a week ago. Um, now that was based on like a bunch of different things, and it didn't include all any of the newcomers or anything like that. Um, so there are some flaws, but it was interesting to see that, you know, they have three starting receivers, Brendan Rice, Montana, Lamonius Craig, Dimitri Stanley, and 
they uh, list backups for each position. And so that first spot was Brendan Rice, and then Daniel Arias, and then Levante Chenault. Um, I, uh, th- I think that maybe some of the off-field issues, some of that kind of stuff were the reason, whatever. I still think Levante is your number two receiver. He put up number two receiver numbers. Or he, that's not true. He put up your second best numbers as a receiver last year. You want more per game out of your number two receiver. Now, is that all his fault? Is that Sam's fault? Is that Jarek's fault for being so good running the ball? Whatever. You do need a little bit more production out of the passing game. Um, and I do think, though, that still he's your number two, especially given that everybody I've asked during camp has said he's been the toughest receiver to guard. Gotta count for something. Um, so kind of weird just to see him show up in that spot on the pre-fall reps chart. But uh, I'm not worried. I'm going Dimitri 1, Levante 2, and then Brendan Rice 3. I do think that there's a pretty clear top 3 here. With Brendan being the the guy who gives me a little bit of pause in saying that. Um, He did a lot of good things last year. But there just wasn't a lot of volume. And you'll remember that when he got the ball, you know... Punt returns. There was he had the big punt return for a touchdown. He had the screen pass he took for a touchdown. A lot of the big plays came sort of on plays that were designed for him. You know, it was a play where Shiv was probably thinking like, "Hey, this is one where we get Brendan Rice the ball." It wasn't okay. Let's let's run an, a nice pattern downfield. Give the quarterback some reads. You know, where's the linebacker going? Okay, then where's the safety going? Oh, and that means this guy's open. Um, Didn't see quite as much success from Brendan on those plays. And when I talked to him about it, and he said, you know, he's been working on being better getting in and out of his routes. You know, he has a bunch of skills. He's a big guy. He's strong. He's fast. It's just turning those things into being a good wide receiver who's getting open and catching footballs. I'm not worried about it, um, but I will say that although I do think that there's this clear top three with Dimitri, Levante, and Brendan, Brendan does need to play better than he did last year. He was also, in what, an 18-year-old? He was a true freshman last year. So, you know, Levante needs to play better too, and he was a redshirt freshman last year, and some of that you just expect some growth. Um, so, yeah, Uh from there, though, and this is one of the ones that surprised me. You know, I, I mentioned Montana Lamonius Craig listed as a starter there. I I don't think that that's necessarily all that far off. You know, I have him as the number four receiver. Um, and then there were some candidates for that spot, and we'll touch on a couple of them here in a second. But, you know, just based on what he did, he's been productive. He can get open. He can catch balls. Um he didn't do much during the season last year, um, but during the spring showcase, I think again during the scrimmage last week, he just looked like a, a receiver who can be a piece of a productive offense. You know, he may not have the the same explosiveness that a Brendan Rice has, but also, you know, he he does a good job finding space, getting open. He had one drop last week, but it was a pretty contested situation. And he'd made a couple catches before that. I I do think that he probably is your number four. Um, which is exciting to think about, too. Given that, what, he's a, he's a redshirt freshman? I think he's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, but... um, That's probably enough on him. But I do think he's number four. From there, number five, Jalen Jackson. Um... I think that it is kind of his time to step up into a role in this offense. You know, there were some good things that, that we saw from him um, in, in, during the spring showcase. Um, I, oh, I, I should know. I do think that he's probably Dimitri's backup as the slot guy. Um, I think he's probably just, when, when we do get a depth chart, the number two slot receiver on the depth chart. Oh, and I just look, yeah. In the pre-fall reps chart, that's where they had him. And I think that that's where he makes the most sense. You know, if if there's a situation where you lose a couple receivers for whatever reason, you might have somebody jump him on the depth chart uh, if Dimitri's one of the healthy ones just because Jalen Jackson, he he's a good slot receiver, and that's what he is. Um, 
Yeah, I do think, though, number five overall for receivers. And I do think he's going to be involved. Um, in particular, I think he'll be involved in situations where they put four receivers on the field and do a two-by-two two when there's two slot receivers. Um, I think that that's something that we could see quite a bit of, especially if, you know, Jalen plays well and makes the coaches think, huh, how do we get him on the field? Well, there's your answer. Um yeah, there's there's a couple more things that I want to add. They're they're on the borderline of what I'm allowed to say though, because again, you go to those scrimmages, they're open to the media, and the rules are like you can't report on injuries, you can't report on anything that's like tactical. Um, you know, like they're they're running a bunch of this, their their scheme is this, you know, whatever. And because of that <laughs> no, it's just a terrible tease. Um, but I do think that him playing in the slot will open up some doors for him. And then number six, though, um, Daniel Arias. You know, this is a little bit lower than I think he would have been last year and maybe even the year before. Uh, but I do think that at this point he probably has been surpassed by Montana and by Jalen Jackson. Now, Daniel has all the tools, and as we've said for a couple of years, it's just, when does he put them together? And when he does that, he jumps up past Jalen, he jumps up past Montana, he might even jump past Brendan, depending on where Brendan is at this point in his development. You know, if, if Daniel Arias is the kind of guy who you just say, okay, run straight down the field and we're going to lob up a deep ball to you, and we expect you to go get it, well, that is a very valuable piece of the offense. And so far, those those shots just haven't worked out at a high enough rate for, for him to be higher than number sixth um, on this depth chart. So, again, I, I still think that there's there's a whole lot of potential there. Um, but, you know, he's a junior. Time to do it, you know. Time to go do it. Okay, I think that's it for... The receivers. Yeah, I think that that's there's an, maybe another little drop off there. Chris Carpenter. Next up, though, I'd say. Um. Let's see. What is our time at? Do we need to? Okay. Yep. Let's. Uh. So. First of all, if you're not a member of D of DMVR, definitely get in on that. It's um, it's a it's a cool thing. You get uh, access to all the things that I write, um, like yesterday. So because we didn't drive to Boulder, I finally had a chance to write about Robert Barnes, um, which is something that I had been trying to do, I mean, since last Friday's when the interview happened. Um, but I had a lot to say, and the schedule's been pretty busy with all these different practices and all that kind of stuff. Um, wound up being like 1500 words I think and he had a lot of interesting stuff to say and I've talked about some of it on the podcast but it was really fun just to dig into the difference in the culture between here and Oklahoma you know he straight up said like guys here didn't think that they could win like it's it's it wasn't like an expectation for them um, and it's not because they thought that they were just going to always lose or anything like that. It's just that nobody really taught them what winning teams do. You know, you do actually work really hard in the off season, like doing that, those sorts of things. You talked about like after practice, pick the garbage up off the field. It's a championship program. We don't have garbage on our field. You know, just, just stuff like that and going through and, you know, he had somebody, uh, walk up to him last week during practice and say like we've never had fun like this before and Robert was like yes this is what I've been saying is that we should like football is fun we go out there and we compete and every play I want to be talking crap to the receiver and then I want to go beat him and all of us competing like that is what makes the team good so so it was really fun to finally get a chance to read that that is up on the website there's a bunch of other cool perks when you become a member of DMVR um, you come down to the DMVR bar York and Colfax which you should absolutely do I'm not I'll, I'll be there tomorrow night for the Bronco game not going to be there tonight though um but yeah, big beer for the size of the small beer. Or price of the small beer for the size. That wouldn't make any sense. That would be the opposite. Um, but yeah, also, if you're looking for a place to hold your fantasy draft, can't do any better than the DMVR bar because 
you'll get two free pitchers of beer. All you got to do is just bring your draft party over there. And, uh, yeah, one's Brackenridge, one's a draft beer. Just give them a call after they open at 3 every day, and they'll get you all set up. Also, you've probably heard of ball before. Ooh, ooh, this will be fun. Um, so here's the thing that happened. When, uh, as I've said before, Wednesdays are the off day in camp. So Tuesday nights have basically been my uh, time to have fun. So what I did on Tuesday was uh, I went and got a margarita in a can from a liquor store. And I got on my flight simulator, the new flight simulator. It is as great as everybody says. I flew from Missoula all the way up like to Banff and then back down to Calgary. And then uh, where else did I fly? Oh, I was trying to fly. I was trying to fly from Zurich down i was i did fly around the matterhorn and then i was gonna fly down to rome um check out like uh, a couple of things on the way lean tower pisa for example um but i wound up (laughs) accidentally crashing the plane into the italian countryside but yeah so the point is that's how i spent my uh my what tuesday night because wednesday is my weekend and uh, i got this can uh, of like margarita can. It's been sitting here on my desk because I barely uh, drank any of it because it was terrible. Ugh, I'm trying to find a ball logo. Ball had to have made this. They make everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. There's there's your little ball logo right there. And that's what they do is they they make all sorts of cans. They've made like a billion cans. Um, was that right? I have to. I have to again every single time. We have to look up. Yeah, 101 billion cans. Because I said a billion, I was like, no, it's way more than that. It just that just cannot be true, and I get that wrong every time. But yeah, uh, last year, Ball made over 101 billion cans. Just crazy, and that sounds like it's terrible for the environment because it's like, where are those cans now? Well, 75% of the world's aluminum is still in use today. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's why they make things out of cans. Um, yeah it's it's definitely a great company they they did well like uh the human rights campaign put out like they said that they have a 100 percent corporate equality index which again i'm not somebody who spends all day reading the corporate equality index rankings but that's got to be great right um what else uh sustainable cutting down on emissions doing all those sorts of things and they're hiring so you can text golden to 77222 you'll get linked to open positions um you can also go directly at jobs.ball.com and search for golden that's jobs.ball.com and search for golden or simply text golden to 77222 be unstoppable at ball okay Wow, I really, I really just want to talk about this flight simulator. It is crazy how, because it has the entire world. It has literally the entire world, and it's in like 4K. Like I flew over my house, I flew over my grandparents' house, um, I flew, I flew over everything. It's unbelievable. And it has every airport too, and so they said like there's it's something like 37,000 airports in the game. Like there's airports like in Northern Montana. I was like, wait, that is there. I had no idea. Like there's one that's just a lake. And I guess it's a place where water boats land. And sadly I was flying like this purple jet because it's just so fast. Um, I was, uh, it's fun to fly the slower ones, but here's, here's an example. We got to move on from the flight simulator in a second, but this will be the last thing I say. So, this was also Tuesday night. I, uh, I I was in one of those little like propeller planes, like the small ones. Not not exactly like the ones they had like 200 years ago, but if if it feels old. And the point was, I was like, okay, I've been crashing this too much. I'm gonna stop with the long flights because it just gets disappointing when you don't get to finish. Um, but I'm gonna fly around New York a little bit, and so I took off. I flew out of uh, JFK instead of LaGuardia, which is dumb because it turns out that one's way farther when you're in a super slow little plane. And I accidentally crashed it. I was just trying to do like a little tight little circle around the Statue of Liberty, and it was the middle of the night, and so it was like glow- it was really cool. But then I accidentally crashed it. Um, I can't remember what the point of this story was. Oh, I can't. Well, the point is, I accidentally crashed it. It's disappointing, and 
we gotta move on anyway. We gotta move on. I really love that thing though, especially during camp, like when when I'm working a lot and all day, and things can kind of be stressful. Nothing better than just sitting down. I made the mistake, like I said, of getting this cocktail in a can. It is not good, and I should have just drank more of those Breckenridge seltzers. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the way to take a night off. Um. Do we have, oh yeah, one more ad real quick. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee. It's a CBD infused coffee. It's changing people's lives and it is, uh, it, it tastes good too. You know, everybody wants to talk about, you know, it helps with back pain. It helps with headaches. It helps with all the things that CBD helps with. I feel like the selling point to me, like it's it's not that I don't appreciate CBD. It's that, you know, I'm 24 things are going well. I, I don't, I don't have an issue that needs to be fixed. And so to sell me on coffee, just say it tastes good. And, uh, I guess since this is my ad read, I get to, I get to sell it how I want to. And I'll say, drink it because it tastes good. Um, you can get so many different versions of it. Um, whether you want like the whole beans or the cake cups or the grounds, or I think I know that we have cold brew, at the DMVR bar. I'm sure that you can get your hands on some of that too, even if you don't want to stop by the DMVR bar after three when it opens every day to get your coffee. Um, or maybe just get a bunch. I bet Darren will give you a deal if you just run in there with like a one of those uh, like water cooler tops. Um, just fill that up and bring it home. I guess you could probably just even hook that to a water cooler. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, uh, really good coffee. It has helped a lot of people who do have ailments. Um, and the best part is, actually, which one of these? There's two really good parts. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one good part is that you can get 25% off if you use the code DNVR25 at checkout. It's a great way to uh, to to check it out if you use the last code code oh we've had some hiccup scares on this podcast recently but none of them have actually caused problems that was two though um again just gotta focus on one thing um oh yeah yeah. so so if you did use the code dmvr20 back in the day you can use this code too so don't feel like because you've done it once you can't no dmvr25 brand new code brand new deal make sure you take advantage of that and also, uh, if you subscribe to a product, then they'll ship it to you and it'll just be on your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you prefer. Um, and you'll get 20% off every time. That's the best part. Um, 20% off every time on your coffee. It's a great deal. Strava Craft Coffee is great coffee. It's CBD infused for the people who, uh, you know, have anxiety, have soreness, um, whatever um it's also tastes good for uh people like me wow i can't believe we just spent 10 minutes on all that um if anybody okay one more thing about the flight simulator it also has all of the other planes that people are flying in the flight simulator so if you're like i don't know like i'm flying from denver to aspen well when i leave denver's airport it's going to have all of the other planes that everybody else who's like thinking about leaving the airport or is landing or whatever. So maybe we all need to start flying some planes together. Um, the, the Oh, wow. We haven't even gotten through the offense. We're, okay. We got we to got move. Um, offensive line. Here's what I'll say. I do think now the, the, the three spots in the middle are just about solidified. Um, it's going to be Colby Purcell at center. I think it's going to be Casey Roddick at right guard. I think it's going to be Kari Cooch at left guard. Now, Chance Lytle, I think, is kind of the backup guard if, for, for either of those guys. Um, I think that... There's a couple ways this could play out. Um, let's just say, and we'll knock on wood, for some reason they don't have Colby Purcell at center. That's the one that kind of throws me off. Um, I have the backup center right now as Austin Johnson. We've been hearing a lot of good things about him. It might be Josh Gines. Um, I have it as Austin Johnson. So the question is, 
would Mitch Rodriguez rather shift Kari Cooch into center and put Chance Lytle at guard, or would he rather leave Kari at guard and pick between Giants or Austin Johnson, Johnson, whoever's his backup center? And again, because I felt like I needed to... If we're going to do this, I got to say who I have where in the lineup. And right now, I do have Austin Johnson at number two. But that's one that feels like more of a guess than some of the others. Um, so, yeah. The point, though, Kari Cooch, Colby Purcell, Casey Roddick, those are your three across the middle. Um, and I do have Chance Lytle as the backup guard. That could be Kane and Ray. But I think that it's Chance. Um Chance, by the way, could also play some tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he does wind up. But right now, at tackle, I've got Max Ray at left tackle. I've got Frank Phillip at right tackle. So, I mentioned yesterday that Mitch Rodriguez, I think on Tuesday, said that... Well, first of all, here's a... In case you guys don't remember, Frank Phillip is injured at the moment, um, working his way back. Jake Wiley has not been injured. A younger guy. Um, he's played really well. And on Tuesday, Mitch Rodriguez said, Frank is going to have to fight to get that spot back from Jake. I think he's going to win that fight. I think he's going to get that spot back. Um, but I do think that that makes it pretty safe to say Jake Wiley is kind of your, your swing tackle. You know, you, you lose either one of those guys for a period of time. Jake Wiley's the one who's going to step in. Um, and then your number two tackle, say you, you'd lose two guys, I think that's probably Chance Lytle. Um, he's probably the first backup for the guards, the second backup for the tackles, and center. We'll just Colby Purcell. If he wants to stay healthy, that'd be great. Um, that's what I'll say there. Okay. Um, I guess we can just jump right into the defense. So. Uh, start in the trenches. Um, Colorado lists three positions along the defensive line. Defensive end, nose tackle, defensive tackle. I think, actually, they had uh, Janaz Jordan in front of Jalen Sami at nose tackle. That was um, coming into, uh, like, on that pre, pre-fall rep chart is what it was called. I'm switching that back. I do have Jalen Sami starting. I've got Terrence Lang, obviously, and I've got Naeem Rodman. I think that those are your best three. Although, I have, ever since seeing that, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the Jalen Sami, Janaz Jordan thing, just because they had it the other way. Um, I see it. I do see how that could be the case. Uh, and the big reason being, you know. This defense isn't what it used to be. You know, a couple years ago when Jalen Sami was getting his first run, the idea was you just get up on that center, you be really big, and if somebody comes through either those A-gaps, you push hard that way and hopefully you bring them down, and if not, you're probably just going to collapse everything over there. Well, now now they're doing something different. Now they want Jalen Sami and everybody else to just kind of shoot one of those gaps, a predetermined gap. And it's like, okay, that one on your left, you get through there, get into the backfield. And because he is a bigger guy, that might not fit him quite as well. If he figures it out, you know, you, you think of like Jarrell Casey um, when he was at his best. Um, massive guy. But those quick feet, he was able to sneak through anywhere. Um, and and though that's still kind of developing for Jalen. Janaz Jordan, while he isn't quite as stout, and, you know, in goal line situations, maybe you change some things, I don't know. I could see why Chris Wilson would say, you know what, we want somebody who can just go shoot this gap, and I don't care that he's, oh, dang it, and I took down this, I took down my pre-fault rep chart, 6'4", 305, instead of 6'6", 325, you know, um, and and I do think that that maybe is kind of a toss-up right there, Sami or Janaz Jordan. Um, like I said, though, I went Sami, and the tiebreaker to me was that he's been that guy the last couple of years. So if it is a tie, you give it to the guy who's had the job. You also, I don't know, I think, I don't know if this will be true with Colorado, but a lot of time you give the tie to the upperclassmen, and actually Janaz Jordan's a junior and Sami's a sophomore, 
even though Sami's been here for a very long time. A very long time. But with injuries with all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, what else we have going on? Like I said, Terrence, Jalen, Nyam, the starters. I've got Justin Jackson and Lloyd Murray as, as the two other rotational pieces along with Janaz Jordan. Um, the depth isn't what it used to be. I think losing Jeremiah Doss, that is really disappointing. Um, because, you know, you, you want to be able to go six, seven deep is probably the number on that defensive line. You know, it isn't like cornerback where, you know, Christian Gonzalez, Makai Blackman, they'll probably just play every snap. Unless some situational thing happens where you really only want one corner out there. But that's that's very rare. Um, defensive line, you rotate those guys in and out. And uh, losing Doss, it, it hurts. Because Lloyd Murray, we haven't seen a whole lot of him. And I think he is in that rotation now. You know, you look at guys like uh, Jaden Simon. Is Jaden Simon potentially going to get some significant snaps this year? There's a world where it happens, and that's a that's a freshman, you know. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this part shakes out. I think there's there's a lot of questions with this defensive line group. Um, a lot of questions, and I also think I want to say this again. I think it's going to be a good group. You know, I, I'm not saying. Jalen Sami, you know, he kind of struggles in this scheme. I'm saying it doesn't fit him, but I think he's a good football player, and it's going to be just fine. The question is whether Janaz Jordan can be somebody who's going to be a game-changer for him. And and I think there's a chance that Jalen Sami's a game-changer for him, too. And I think that Terrence Lang is a game-changer. And from all the things that we've heard from, about Naeem Rodman, he might be as well. And so while you do have a lot of talent, first of all, which three start? Second of all, how deep is the rotation? And then third of all, who is in that rotation? Um, and those will just be kind of things that we pick up on early in the season. And I guess maybe now's the time to say it, but things are going to look different against Northern Colorado than they do the rest of the season. And so I remember saying things like, you know, you're like like with the defensive lineman, you're going to go six deep. Well, that game you probably go a little bit deeper. Um, running backs, you go a little bit deeper. You throw more of those guys out there. Um and, I don't know, all this is considering, like, this is what I expect to happen in a competitive game. And if I had to say, I think Terrence is out there 60-70% of the snaps. I think Jalen Sami, Janaz Jordan, maybe a 50-50 split. I think Naeem Rodman, maybe... Ugh, 60%? And then what does that leave you with? I think Terrence Lang, let's call it 75%. Yeah, so you got 25% of snaps to fill there. You've got 30 to 40 to fill, depending on how much Naeem Rodman plays. And so what, is Justin Jackson going to play 30 to 40% of snaps? Lloyd Murray, 20%? Those, it'll be fun to see what those percentages wind up being. Um, outside linebackers, first of all, Carson Wells is out there every snap unless he's tired. And I, I wonder how many snaps he even took off last year because I don't think it was all that many. Um, but he's out there. He's making plays. Across from him, I uh, like I said, I do think that this is a basically even three-way race for the other job. But I had to put them in order because that's what we're doing today. And the order I came up with, and this was based only off of how impressed I was by them in the, the scrimmage, which was the one time I get to see them during camp, Um I put him Guy Thomas, Josh Gustav, Jamar Montgomery. We'll see what happens. I will say that I think that this does wind up being a fairly even split. Um, maybe not 33-33-33, but probably 40-33-26. I make myself do so much math on this podcast. Um, and, and the truth is, you really don't need to go past these four. Um, Carson with the three competing um, because they're going to be taking all the snaps from these outside linebacker positions and that's something that you are very happy about as a Buffalo fan because they're very capable players um, I will add though that Devin Grant is probably the number five um, don't think we see him but he is 
in my mind, the number five. Heard good things about him. A freshman, you'll remember, during the spring. Probably doesn't come into play this year. But next year when... I mean, I wonder what they'll even look like next year. Because it could be they have all four back. Because you got three juniors and Josh goes a freshman. Carson may have an opportunity to go get paid to play. Um, some of the other guys, who knows? Maybe Guy Thomas has a great year and he's looking like a late round pick. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll just have to see. Um, inside linebacker, this is a fun one. Uh, first of all, Nate gets one of those spots and the second starting spot is Robert Barnes. I feel pretty pretty comfortable saying that right now. Um, behind them, though, is where things get interesting. I think that... I think that this isn't a situation where... So so you know how with the outside linebackers, it's like, uh, it's kind of a ranking. It's Carson, he gets this job, and then these other guys, whatever happens, happens, they'll split those reps. Maybe that's a bad example. Like the receivers. It's like, Dimitri's going to be on the field, is going to be on the field, Brendan's going to be on the field. If one of them can't be on the field, then Montana's next up. You need two, and Jalen Jackson's next up. I think it's different at inside linebacker. I think you've got Nate playing the Mike position, that true middle linebacker spot. You've got Robert playing the money position. And I think John Van Deest is Nate's backup at the Mike position. And Jack Lamb is Robert's backup at the Mo position. I think that it might really be that simple. I think there'll be some rotation, and situationally, you might not have two linebackers. Uh, I was talking to Mark Smith, the linebackers coach, last week, and and he said they they have things drawn up for three linebackers. And you know, when it's a three linebacker set, then there's there's different things they could do. I mean, that's when you're bringing in either John Van Deest or Jack Lamb. Situationally, you might want one or the other. Um, so we'll just have to, again, wait and see like all these, I guess, but I do think that you will be seeing all four of those guys. And I don't know that you see anybody beyond those four, unless injuries happen. Of course I do though, have Marvin Ham as the number five inside linebacker right now. Um, and just looking ahead, Robert Barnes is a senior this year. Yeah. So is, uh, uh, so is Nate. So next year, are we saying Van Deest and Jack Lamb are the starters? How does Marvin Ham fit in? And then, you know, Quinn Perry will be a senior next year too, and it might be time for him to take over a more significant role. You've got young guys like Mr. Williams, Zephaniah Mea, and again, when you look through this roster, there just aren't that many seniors, but you do have two at the same position right here. I just realized we skipped tight end. Because I was thinking, well, Matt Lynch, and I was like, we didn't even talk about Matt Lynch. Okay, so we'll we'll skip back to tight end right here. Um, number one, Brady Russell. But this is a, this is another tough one to project just because there's so many guys. As of right now, though, I've got Alec Pell number two. I've got Matt Lynch number three, Jared Poplowski four, and Caleb Fourier five. And I feel solid about it. You know, Alec Pell over Matt Lynch might be a bit of a hot take, but he looks good. And he's a young guy who can make some plays. Um, and for all that Matt has done for Colorado, you know, stepping in, being like the only tight end, now potentially being moved around a quarterback if things go poorly, whatever. He didn't catch a lot of balls. He wasn't all that productive in the passing game. And I think just having that threat is so valuable it moves Alec Pell in front of him. Um, again, maybe a little bit of a hot take because um, that's also jumping Nico Magri, CJ Schmansky. Um, but if you, I just decide I'm going to pick five, and these are the five I came up with. Heard good things about Jared Poplowski um, coming off a couple of ACLs. You know, he's a junior. He's been around, kind of a vet, and so that bumped him up. Caleb Fourier. Honestly, I wanted to get <laughs> either him or Eric Olson in, one of the young, exciting, like, pass-catching, explosive types. And I asked Matt last week, like, I guess you guys heard it in the podcast feed. Did I play that yesterday? Whenever I played that. But um, 
I said, who's impressed you? And he said, definitely Caleb Fourier. So I threw him in there at number five. Um, so yeah, those are the tight ends. Uh, let's let's um, take just a very quick break here. Um, I'm going to tell you about Manscaped. So as I've been saying, it's been a long camp. A lot of hot days in the sun waiting up in Boulder. And the Crop Preserver. This is my favorite product from Manscaped. It's a ball deodorant, and it works. You know, you think about how other deodorant works, and you're just like, wow, I could be super sweaty right now, or I could be totally not sweaty at all. And those differences are massive, and it's one that a lot of men just haven't even considered when it comes to uh, the family jewels. And so the Crop Preserver, it, it does uh, great stuff down there. Um, you uh, you can also get your hands on the Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, it's waterproof. It's cordless. It's an incredible product. It's the best body hair trimmer out there. And um, I recommend that you get the Perfect Package 4.0. Or actually, no. Let's go with the Performance Package 4.0 because they've got all sorts of different stuff in there, including the Crop Preserver, including the Crop Reviver. Um uh, Manscaped boxers, a travel bag, a uh, lot of very good products. And they actually have a bunch of different combinations, packages, I guess, that you could uh, check out over at manscaped.com. Uh, but whatever you choose, make sure you get 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. It's 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com for a clean Trinity and beyond. Oh, I didn't use enough of the... We'll we'll get into some of the uh, Toy Story jokes next time we do this. Um, your space balls will thank you. Oh, that's clever. Okay. Um, back in wrapping things up with the secondary. I guess that's not true because then we got to go through specialists. But uh, this is another tough one. We'll start by, by going through the corners. So, Makai Blackman, Christian Gonzalez, those are your two starters. Um, behind them... Nigel Bethel is probably top of the list. And then uh, they actually had Tyron Taylor over Jalen Stryker. Uh, so freshman Tyron Taylor, um, one of the East Coast recruits who came in just kind of like out of nowhere. Over Jalen Stryker, though, who's a veteran in this program. I'm going to keep it that way. Throw Tyron Taylor in number four, Stryker number five, and those are your corners. Um... Safeties though. This is a this could go some different ways. Um, so the three that I have starting because there's strong safety, there's free safety, and then there's the star position. I've got Isaiah Lewis, Chris Miller, and Mark Perry. What positions they play, I think, is still probably up in the air. Um, what I'm going to go back to though is a conversation that I had with Mark Perry a couple weeks ago where he said he's been playing a lot of free safety, but the plan is for Chris to uh, take over that free safety spot and when Mark Perry to move back to the star. Who knows if that's the plan that was in Mark Perry's head, the plan that the coaches made or a plan that's like been changed since then, whatever. We're going to go with that um, and say Chris Miller is the free safety. Isaiah Lewis is the strong safety. Mark Perry is the star. Now, I don't necessarily like Mark Perry in the star role. I think that he would be better off at the back end of the defense, letting the the speed take over. You know, he's at a tough point in his career. It's kind of a turning point for him. Very talented. A lot of physical tools. What does he do as a football player? You know, is he, you know, from the star spot, somebody like Davion Taylor, somebody who can get upfield, set the edge, slip off of blockers, make plays in the run game, provide some pass rush. You know, that's a part of that job there. And to this point, we haven't quite seen Mark turn all the tools into production in those areas. Now, again, at the same time, he's a, a sophomore, and so... <laughs> there's plenty of time for growth and it's not necessarily time to hit the panic button or anything. Um, also, you know, the other part of the star position is basically covering the slot, 
covering some tight ends. That I, I think that he could probably handle. Um, but then, you know, where I like him best is it the free safety spot where he's able to just use that speed. You know, there's a deep ball going right or left. He has the range to run all the way over that sideline and make a play on it. Got to be able to read the play developing in front of you, though, for that to work. Otherwise, you're just using the speed to kind of compensate for maybe what's lacking. And so, again, it depends on what Mark's strengths are. I think in a perfect world, though, he might make more sense a little bit further from the line of scrimmage. Speaking of which, you've got Chris Miller, who has not been able to stay healthy probably want to keep him as far from the line of scrimmage as possible too you know the the more you play that star spot you're in there mucking it up with the tight ends and offensive linemen more likely it is to get hurt and Chris Miller has not been able to stay healthy so moving him to free safety does kind of make a lot of sense especially when you consider that you know last year I liked the depth that Colorado had you know the only difference I guess was Darian Rakestraw but felt like more because they didn't have Chris Miller at all either. Um, and there were no transfers from there other than Darian. But yeah, so uh, the, the the point is, I think that when you look at these three with Mark Perry, Chris Miller, Isaiah Lewis, those are three you want on the field. I think next up, by the way, I have Appleton as the backup in the star. Um, I've got... Uh, Torin Pittman as the backup free safety, and I've got Trustin Oliver as the backup strong safety. I think Trustin Oliver is probably the guy you want to play the most out of those three. So I'll throw that out there as maybe it does become a situation where, you know, Mark Perry goes down and will knock on wood again, throw Isaiah Lewis to the star, Trustin Oliver steps up as starting strong safety. You know, there might be some rotations to get Trust and Oliver on the field instead of those other guys. Um, and I just haven't seen a lot of Torrin Pittman, but Torrin m- may have taken a step and been up there as well. Um, but Trustin has impressed. He looked good. We've heard good things. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I see why you go Mark Perry star, Chris Miller free safety, Isaiah Lewis strong safety. And it probably does make sense. Um so yeah, uh, and then uh, I, I guess I want to add this too, with the star position. That's kind of like Mark Perry and then Chris A- or Curtis Appleton. Sorry, um, that is for kind of your base defense when you you know want to go a little bit heavier. Whatever you might throw a Jack Lamb in there. I think he makes some sense. Um, I think that you could also consider moving Makai in there situationally if you want to throw a third corner out there. Um, and so I think that Makai makes most sense in the slot more than Christian Gonzalez or Nigel Bethel. Um, but yeah, uh, there we go. And I guess before we get out of here, the specialists. First of all, kicker, I think Cole Becker gets it. Um, I think Cole Becker comes in as a true freshman and uh, beats out. Evan Price and Mac Willis for kickoffs. I think that's Becker. He has a big leg. Um, it could be Mac Willis there. Uh, he was the kickoff specialist last year, but I've got Becker there too. And again, I haven't seen a whole lot, but some of these you just kind of have to guess on. I'm going to give it to Cole Becker. Uh, punter, Josh Watts. And do they even have a backup? I just realized I don't even know if they have another punter on the roster. Um, I'm sure some of those kickers have punted before. I wonder though, because Becker, if he's been pure kicker, like it's not like he's been kicking in football games. He's no, no, no. He's California. Yeah, he's California. He's not from uh, Australia. We're good. We're good. Um, kick returner. I've got Brendan Rice as the number one. Um, they they put two back there. I think that. I think that the second's gonna be Christian Gonzalez. I do. And uh, I think, who do they have? Uh, they had Brendan Rice and then Levante Chenault. That could be. It could definitely be. I think it's Rice and then Gonzalez. Um, punt return, it's Dimitri Stanley. I, I've said this before, but I think that this coaching staff really sees Dimitri Stanley as like a, 
a, a good punt returner. You know, there's a lot of teams that it's like, okay, who do we put back there? You know, whatever. I think that they say, you have Dimitri Stanley. You put Dimitri Stanley at punt returner. And I mentioned this after the scrimmage, but there was one catch that he had in that scrimmage. And this was, what, a few days after hearing um, Carl say that Dimitri's the punt returner, basically. Um, that He caught the ball. He had, he had the ball in space. He put together a couple little moves, just kind of wiggling a little bit. And, and that was the first time I was like, yeah, that is a punt returner, isn't it? That is absolutely a punt returner. And so I do think that that one might be pretty close to set in stone there. And and I guess the backup's probably Brendan Rice, which makes sense considering what he did last year. Um, all right, that's going to do it for today. Appreciate y'all for turning in, tuning in. Oof, oof, this is a rough ending. But uh, yeah, be back tomorrow. I'm going to head up to practice. I've, I actually don't know. I want to talk to Alec Pell I don't know who else. I might not even be an offense day today or tomorrow, so who knows. But, uh, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. We'll be talking about what we learned tomorrow at camp. I'll see you then.